What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Well, good day and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast. My name is Chad Ozy, and I am here with Jeff Cross. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm very well. How are you? You know what? I uh, This has been one of those weeks <laughs> Where um had a lot done, a lot accomplished, all that kind of thing. But you know how there are just some weeks that are more difficult than others? Yeah. This has just been one of those weeks. It's only Wednesday. It's only Wednesday. <laughs> that is exactly right. And it's it's been one of those weeks. And it, it actually, I think, is a is kind of a great launching point for us today because you know, Jeff, we have we have moments, we have seasons, we have you know, individual games, we have days, whatever, <clears throat> that are just harder than others. Sure. They just are. And the way that we deal with that, uh, when it when it happens, uh, is probably one of the most crucial things that happens to us as sports officials. And I think it's really interesting. We're going to spend some time over the summer here talking about things that um, maybe are not game-specific yeah. uh, or sports-specific, uh, but they're they're really about uh, they're about life, mm. you know, and, and I think they absolutely play into the way that we that we are able to to work the sports that we work and advance or not advance and all that kind of good stuff. But you know, so much of it boils down to the way we think, mm. you know, mm-hmm. because uh, you can have a really tough day, and if you know, halfway into that tough day, you go, okay, well, that's it. It's a tough day. I'm shutting down. I'm giving up, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. or it's a tough day. I'm going to power through mm-hmm. or it's a tough day. I need to change course. And all of that has to do with are the way we think. Mm-hmm. It's not about the outward stuff coming in. It's the way we think. And I know that mindset's a huge deal for you. Yeah. Um, and I, I know it's something that you work really hard on. When I say it's a huge deal for you, I don't mean it's a huge deal because it's something that comes easy or whatever. I mean, it's something that you spend a lot of time and effort on. Some people would call me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think every time that happens, you get just a little bit more pleased with I yourself do. that I somebody calls you crazy, which is good. So <clears throat> let me let me let me kind of start off our conversation today this way. You know, I I know that you sometimes see people who I, I'm just gonna say have a a normal way of thinking about things. Okay. Okay. All right. And I would say you have an uncommon way of thinking about things. Um, and, you know, we've even had some conversations this morning about three, four, five different topics, mm-hmm. you know, of, you know, everybody else kind of thinks this way. Mm-hmm. And you're over here thinking a different way. I am. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. tell me, when, when that happens, what what goes through your mind? How do you respond when the people around you are thinking 
the way most people, the common way of thinking, and, and your thinking just doesn't line up with that. Well, typically I don't have to respond. Okay. Because they have no idea that I'm different. All right. They just, you know, or when they see that I'm different, typically they make fun of it. You know, um, everyone, kids, my kids included, they make mm-hmm. fun of me and you know, my wife, she, you know, I don't want to say make fun, right? But, you know, they poke know. Poke fun that, might be an okay yeah, way poke, of saying poke it. Yeah, poke fun, right. Yeah, poke fun. And um, they laugh at my expense and I kind of laugh with them and then uh, I beat them to the finish line. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what happens. And uh, that happens in in many aspects of my life, whether it's an officiating or just, uh, you know, cutting grass. They, they tend to make fun of what I'm doing. You know, I can remember a friend of mine, you know, I told him I was mowing the grass. They, you know, they, well, how's Mr. Mower going or whatever, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever he said. Meanwhile, I, I, made, I made, you know, 1600 bucks this month, cash. Mm-hmm. And didn't do anything really that hard. Worked at the most 16 hours in a week. Mm-hmm. You can make fun of it all you want, <laughs> you know? And people make fun of my golf cart. Oh, you're taking your golf cart. Well, you can make fun of it all you want, but I put $5 in it and it lasts me a whole summer. <laughs> so while you're complaining at the gas pump because you're... 2000, you know, 21 GMC Yukon is taking a hundred and some odd dollars worth of gas. I, I went the whole summer, didn't, didn't have to use it for anything. So, um, I think I, I believe when, when, when we get poked fun of for things that we do that are abnormally, the first thing is they're probably a little jealous. Mm. They're probably a little insecure. They understand that they're not doing those things. They wish in some way, even deep down, that they could do what they're poking fun of. Not just as necessarily me, whatever they're making fun of. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's me too, right? Maybe if I'm poking fun of someone who stays up till midnight every night, I'm poking fun because I wish maybe I could do that and still survive. But I can't. I mean, I probably could survive, but I don't want to. But you wouldn't thrive. I would not thrive. Not with the way you're built. Yeah. So, um, yeah, typically I just... I'm very, I'm, I take mental notes and understand that they're poking fun. Then I listen to them complain that they don't feel well or they're not having the success they want. And then I can go, I know why. The question is, do you want to, do you want to fix it? Or do you want to really be better? You know, you know how many times basketball referees have asked me, what do I need to do to, to make it to division one? And then, you tell them all the things you do, and they look at you like, yeah, I don't know if I really want to do all that. Mm-hmm. I really just want the games. Mm-hmm. And really, we, we, we just we just want to be fit. I don't want to have to work out to be fit. You know, I, I want to thrive all day, but I don't want to go to bed early to do it. So it doesn't bother me. I've gotten very used to people, you know, saying, well, it's not even nighttime yet because I go to bed before the, light, the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I like it. I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I I know that one of the things that, that you do a lot is, you know, watching YouTube videos or listening to YouTube videos and uh, podcasts and audio books and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And um, only recently, I would say probably within the last five, six months, I've started using a couple of, of those outlets just for more information about different things. And one of the things that's very interesting is that um, 
whenever you, especially I found it on YouTube, you, which by the way, you can check us out on Come and Drive Podcast on YouTube. That's right. Uh, one of the things that's, uh, that's very interesting when you go there is that then they'll have these recommended videos. Oh, sure. right. You know, mm -hmm. so you're watching about one thing. Mm -hmm. and they're like, well, you know, there's this algorithm that says mm -hmm. people that have watched this also like watching this other thing or sure. whatever. Mm -hmm. So because of a, a business that, that our family has started, I watch a lot of things and I end up seeing stuff about gardening and I end mm -hmm. up seeing stuff about composting and I end up seeing stuff about other things like that. And then last night it was about side hustles. Mm. Okay. Side yeah, hustles. Sure. And there was a, a video, the, the five best side hustles for people in small towns. Now this person's small town was like 19,000 people. Okay. I'm like, dude, that is not small town. <laughs> not. Like I live in small town. <laughs> That's our whole county. That's right. right yeah. So, uh, so I was looking at, and there were some that just made a ton of sense. Okay. Uh, car detailing, mm -hmm. I think was one of them. Lawn mowing, mm -hmm. you know, was one of the, the big ones. Um, and, and all five of these, these little, as they called them side hustles, mm -hmm. right. They had these, these qualifications for what made them good. It didn't take a lot of startup money, you know, um, super flexible with time, mm -hmm. Pretty good rate of return on you know investment versus you know what you get out of it, all that kind of thing. And and the funny thing that was interesting to me is they said in that video, well, you know, like none of what we're getting ready to tell you is new information. Hmm. <laughs> like that's what he said right off the bat. Yeah. Not like these five things I'm getting ready to tell you, you could find on any video out on the internet saying these are really great side hustles. Been out for years, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. It's not like somebody came out and said, well, you know, <laughs> the best side hustle in the world Top is secret. stealing banks, <laughs> money <laughs> from banks. You know, it's not new. Okay. So he, he did that, but he said, this is interesting. He said, but a lot of times people hear information with their minds closed. Mm -hmm. Mm. He said, so I'm going to ask you as you're watching this video to open up your mind to the possibilities of how these might work for you. I thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Prepare yourself that, for the video. That he, right. that he said that because to what you just said, okay, you got a, a division one, uh, somebody that wants to have a division one schedule mm -hmm. and they come to you and say, Jeff, how do I do that? Okay. Why well, are you? Are you listening with an open mind? Hmm. Because what I'm getting ready to tell you probably is not rocket science. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. It's not. And, you know, I didn't, I don't know this video at all. Mm -hmm. But these five things, my guess is, like you said, not new at all. But one thing you have to have in order to accomplish it is you have to have the will to work. Mm -hmm. It's all work, whether it's get it on a lawnmower or riding it or whether it's sitting behind a keyboard and punching numbers, punching letters, it's all work. So if you're not willing to work, no side hustle is going to work. Mm -hmm. No, no regular hustle. No, no goal that you're trying to reach is going to work unless you're willing to work. And I, and I'll give my buddy, my uh, ex player, Nick Chemnitz credit. You know, he said, coach, hard work always works. It does. Mm -hmm. It always works. It may not work in a time frame that you would like for it to work. Or even have the same outcome that you were hoping it would have. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But it still works. Yep. It does. And um, we, you know, we get lost in the, 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 uh, the microwave version of the world we live in. Just mm-hmm. press it for 30 seconds. It'll be done. Yeah. And then we, we say, okay, I'm going to start a side hustle. And I can't believe it. I've been doing this for two weeks now. It's not even, uh, you know, I don't have any new customers or I don't have, I don't have a, I mean, a single paycheck. That's, that's your fault. <laughs> you know, you, you should be, the side hustle is to work, whatever it, it is with real estate to lawn mowing, it's work. And then once you put in the work, it's got no choice but to return. If it's not returning, that means you're probably not working. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll hear officials say, well, you know, my, my day job mm. doesn't give me the flexibility that right. I need mm-hmm. to be able to work mm-hmm. the schedule that I want. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, the question that I have for them is, well, how indispensable are you making yourself at your job? Mm. You know, because if you are so important to that job that they desperately need you, all of a sudden they will become far more flexible with you. Mm-hmm. Or what if you're being proactive going in and having the conversation, not, not two weeks before the schedule comes out. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But maybe even, you know, as one season is wrapping up saying, you know what? Hey, these, these are some of my goals for my sports officiating career next year. Mm-hmm. And that might require me having to leave early a couple more days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or be gone on a Friday, you know, if it's a it's a baseball guy wanting to work weekend series or whatever. Hey, what what are things that I could do now that would set me up to be able to that for that to be okay when it comes season? Mm-hmm. You know, what are they? Because when when you communicate, it's amazing what can happen. So if I have if I have the mindset that that's what I want to have. That's what I want to do. I'm willing to put in the work, like you just said. So I hear that information. I don't just let it go in one ear and out the other. Yeah, I'm actually going to do those things. Well, now how am I preparing myself so that if all that comes true, you know, that then now I can actually enjoy the fruits of that labor Mm -hmm. by by being prepared for it. Um, You know, it's not like well to get a division one schedule means I've got to you know quit my day job so I can go do that. Yeah, Yeah, you know, but. I do have to be communicating with people. And again, being uncommon. I've, I've learned this week, I've had a couple different interactions with people who are so afraid to have conversations. They're afraid to have conversations. They're definitely afraid to have conversations in person. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're even pretty afraid to have conversations over the phone yeah. to where then they'll finally, maybe you can get a text out of them. Mm. Right, you know, because that's that's about the best. Are you talking about someone that just in general or just with in authority? General. Just in general, you know, maybe maybe they're going to have a conversation with somebody that they're afraid might be uncomfortable. Maybe they're afraid to have a conversation because they're afraid that the answer to the question they want to ask is no. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and so to them, they would rather live in limbo mm-hmm. for ten weeks yeah. and have it eating at them and eating at them and eating at them and eating at them, mm-hmm. rather than. Ask the question and get a no. And I have said over and over and over and over, the the worst possible answer that I could get to a question is no. Mm. But guess what? Then I'm right where I started. Yeah. I am yeah. no worse off. Yeah. If I went to you today, Jeff, and said, Jeff, could uh, could you mow the churchyard for me today? Mm-hmm. Our mower's not working. Is there any way I could get you? To mow? By the way, I don't have any. I don't have any money to pay you, but I could right. pay for the gas. Yeah. If I did that, you said. 
no, Chad, I'm taking care of this other place and mm-hmm. I do not have time to do that. Well, then guess what? I'm no worse off. That's right. Didn't cost you a dime. Not a dime. Just some courage. But if I throw that out there <laughs> and you said, oh, well, yeah, I've actually got time tomorrow. I could swing by and do that. Sure. Or, you know, I could take care of this part that looks a little overgrown, mm-hmm. whatever, right? I've been, I'm steps ahead of where I was. Yep. If I go and I have that conversation with the boss at work or the manager, whoever, it's like, man, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd really like to work 14 Division One weekends next year. I, I think there's a chance from the conversations I've had with my assigners and stuff. Is there any way I could get, I could get 14 Fridays off? You know, mm-hmm. then they might say, no, no, I just can't do that. Okay. Well now I'm, I'm no, I'm no worse off yep. than I was. Now mm-hmm. I can make a decision. Hey, do I want to look for a, a different job in the same field that would give me flexibility Fridays sure. to be able to do that or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or the boss might say, you know what? I, I can't give you 14, but I can give you eight. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Eight division one weekends is a whole lot better than none. Yep. Or might say, well, you know what? I've been thinking about possibly going to a, a four-day work week for some of our people. Would you be willing to work Monday through Thursday, 6 a.m. to whatever, you mm-hmm. know, four or whatever yeah. it is, right? Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, well, I don't want to be at work at six in the morning. Well, then you don't really want to have those. You don't want a baseball weekend. Those 14 right? weekends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just think it's the way it works. Yeah, and I, and. W- we, got, we have to have the courage to be able to say those things to our bosses, to someone. We And I think more importantly, we have to have the courage to say it to ourselves. I'm going to ask my boss today about this. Um, I, I would also say this, you know, since we're talking about our work, right, outside of officiating. Sure. I had a conversation just this morning with uh, someone who, um, is still in limbo whether or not they're going to be working for a, a, a company next year. Next, okay. you know, they haven't renewed their contract. And they had said, you know, I said, you know, have you heard anything about if, you know, they're going to hire you for next year? You know, the, is your contract going to be good for next year? And they said, no, they don't know yet or whatever. And I encouraged them. I said, listen, you're way more valuable than you think you are. And you don't deserve to be held in limbo for two months to decide whether or not they want to hire you. Mm-hmm. You, you go out and look for work. You find work, and then all of a sudden they want to go, hey, you know what? I think we will use you. And then you can say, no thanks. Mm-hmm. But we, we get ourselves in that rut. Oh, my gosh, that's a job I had last year. I don't know if I'm going to have that job next year. What am I going to do? I'll sit back and I'll wait. And, you know, and I, and I told this, this person I talked to, I said, that company is not some sort of super company. You know, they, they, they don't have the market cornered on, on help. We, I can work anywhere. And that's what I tried to explain to him. I said, you know, your work ethic is good. So there's going to be many companies that want you. You know, now if you, you're willing to sacrifice some of that be, in order to let them have the upper hand and say, you know what, I'm working, I'll, I'll wait two months to see, then that's on you. Mm-hmm. But I encouraged them. I said, just, just understand the decision you're making over the summer is very important. And it potentially could affect everything you do. So don't sit back and, and wait. Oh, I don't know if I can umpire next year. Why? Well, I don't know what my job's going to do. Well, go look for another job. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't get it. I, I don't. I, I know some people are probably thinking I'm crazy. And I know you might even be looking at me like I'm crazy. But we, we are not locked in. We're not locked in to this, this uh, 
nine to five factory job that gets off at three o'clock every day, Monday through Friday, and we get you know fourteen holidays throughout the year, and you never have to work the weekends. There's a lot of people that can do that, but don't come to me crying that you want or complaining that oh I just really want to work you know twenty weekends in major, in Division One baseball. Okay, that's fine, but that's going to cause some sacrifice. And that's going to cause you to, to, it's going to have a ripple effect of what you're going to do. If you're sitting and you go to work every day at at 9 o'clock and get off at 5 and come home miserable, that's your own fault. Mm -hmm. You come home miserable because you can't work baseball because you really want to work baseball or you really want to work basketball, but you can't do it because you have this 9 to 5 job. Dude, that is your fault. That is all there is to it. There is no other person to blame but yourself. Okay, then everyone goes, well, Jeff, you know, I've got kids and I've got family and I've got a house payment and I've got those things. Everyone does. Everyone does. And I guarantee if you quit that job and you get another one, you will work just as hard to make that house payment. You will. You, the problem is you're so afraid of the change that might happen when you do this. I might have to work harder. I might have to go in at six now instead of nine Mm -hmm. i might have to do these things and i'm not sure if i'm willing to do that so don't tell your friends that i'm going to work 20 division one baseball weekends unless you're willing to say i'm also going to get up at 4 a.m so i can be at work at five so i can get off at two so i can leave to be at the the, start the first game on friday at seven Mm -hmm. all of those come into play all of them I got on a rant there. Sorry. No, it's good. And, you know, the reason why I think this is helpful, and, and I'm going to come back to a, a statement that you made. You, you know, you said that your your player said hard work always works. Mm-hmm. Well, hard work does not always mean we get the outcome we originally wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've talked on the podcast before, you know, when you were young and you went away to to pro umpire school. Mm-hmm. I mean, you went away thinking I'm getting a job in pro baseball. Yep. Yeah. I kissed my wife or wasn't even my wife. She was my mm-hmm. fiance. Then I kissed Gina. Then I said, listen, when I come back, I'm going to be a minor league umpire. Yeah. That's how I did it. And it didn't work out that way for didn't. you. Nope. But it didn't change the way that you work, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, I would say there's a high likelihood that you are just as, fulfilled if not potentially more so mm. today mm-hmm. having not gotten that thing that you'd originally wanted yep you know um for for lots of different reasons um but one of the things that i i find is interesting is that we we sometimes get an idea of what the goal is and i'm a big goal guy right you know, i too. know you're Me not too. big yeah, fan yeah. Of uh-huh big, big, fan. big, big goal guy <laughs> But one of the reasons that I love goals is because a goal gives me something to shoot for, but goals over time get adjusted. You know, if uh, if if I said I want to work twenty Division One weekends a year, right? And then I find out, oh, there aren't twenty Division One weekends in a year. Well, then I need to readjust my <laughs> right, goal, right. right? You know, yeah, you know. Uh, I, I had conversation over the last two weeks. I've had conversations with four different players or their families from an 11 and 12 year old baseball team that I coached. Hmm. Okay. Now I coached this when my son was 11. So my son was born in 2003. So we're going to say this happened like around 2014, 2015, something like that. Right. 
So there was this this team that we had. They were an expansion team in the league. And because of that, it meant that we were almost all 11-year-olds in an 11, 12-year-old league. And the only 12-year-olds that we had on the team were 12-year-olds that hadn't played the year before. Okay, I get it, yeah. Okay, which means if you weren't playing when you were 11, mm-hmm. probably not a high likelihood that there's a high level of skill there, right? right. Mm-hmm. Great kids, though. I mean, just great kids. We coached that team for two years. 11-year-old year and 12-year-old year for Caleb. Caleb's 11-year-old year, we did not win a single game. An entire mm. summer of baseball without winning a single game. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've been around youth sports these days, and you know just how much we make those kids play. I mean, sometimes they were playing three, four games a week. Sure. Okay? Mm-hmm. Did not win a game. 12-year-old year, now we had some of those 11-year-olds that were up, and we did fine. Mm-hmm. We did okay. Saw a couple of those players at a college baseball game because they're both college baseball players now. How about it? Yeah, Isn't that cool, <laughs> right? Saw those guys, and they both said they never had more fun playing baseball than that year. Yeah. When they got their butt kicked mm-hmm. every single game. Another another kid didn't go on to play, you know, college baseball or anything like that, but says that when he thinks about some of the greatest memories of his childhood, he thinks of that team. Hmm. Now, hard work doesn't always work the way we think it's going to work. Right. Those kids worked hard mm-hmm. and never got a win that season. Mm-hmm. But obviously something happened. Yeah. Something happened that year, whether it was just the encouragement of camaraderie of being on a team with guys going Mm -hmm. out there, giving it your all Mm -hmm. every time. And it's still not working, but realizing at the end of the day, mom and dad still took him for a polar pop Mm -hmm. and circle K on the way home. You know, it's a, it's a win or whatever. Um, you know, one of those, one of those college kids who's sitting on the bench right now in, in college. And he goes, I just, I just think back when I'm having a hard day and I don't feel like getting up and going to, you know, hitting the cage or mm-hmm. do whatever. He goes, I just think back to that year. Yeah. He said, cause the next year we won, mm. you know? And so for him, it's a reminder to keep putting in the work Yeah. because who knows what's going to happen, you know, junior year, senior year, whatever that might be. Sure. Well, and like I said, it, it, you know, we, we think hard work is going to work in a microwave world. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. We got to use the trigger grill and it takes hours and yeah. the kids got to keep on cooking and you got to keep adding more wood chips, which we'll call hard work. And we got to hold it to temperature and we got to do this and do this for hours and hours. And you put it in at 10 o'clock in the morning and we can't even eat dinner till six. Yeah. All that. So it still tastes good. Mm-hmm. We have to do that. We have to work hard to get the result, which could be, you may not see the result. If you can withstand the hard work, you may not see that result for another two, three years. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's an issue is we, we don't, we, we say, oh yeah, I can work hard. Well, I can work hard today. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I can work hard for the next 365 days. Yeah. I don't know if I can do that. And we all do it. I, 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 do, I want to be perfectly clear. There's times I wake up going, eh, 
You know, do I still want do I still want to drive to South Dakota? Yeah. You know what I mean? In February, is that something I still want to do? So we all go through that. Mm-hmm. But when I do it and I make it through the year, I'm, I'm so glad I did it. I think I remember um, it was my last year coaching high school baseball at Grace, which would have been, I guess it would have been last spring. And I remember saying at the awards banquet, you know, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was extremely hard day in and day out. It was hard being on the field at 6 a.m. to pump water off the field to hopefully we could play at 3.30 or 4 o'clock. Yeah. It was hard, but it was all worth it. Mm-hmm. Every single bit of it was worth it. It was worth it to hear stories how kids would look out the window and wonder if they're going to play that day, and they would see me working. They'd pull up at 6 in the morning. They'd see me working. They'd, you know, they'd get their lunch at, at 11. They'd see me working on the field. And they would say, okay, we're going to play. Coach is still working on the field. We're going to play. Mm-hmm. That was hard. And I had to work so hard in silence that when they came out at 3.30, you got, you, they were happy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, the, you know, kids, not, kids aren't very good at showing their appreciation. Um, but actually, adults aren't either, I don't think. Um, I think it's got to be a conscious effort. But if you're really in tune to what, what's around you, you'll see the appreciation. You'll see it. You know, you'll see if you just listen instead of talking in the dugout, instead of talking in the boardroom, just listen. You'll you'll hear some compliments, and you'll know that that was part of what you've done. So, um, you know, get let's get in the Traeger world, not the microwave world, you know, yeah, or the convection oven world. <laughs> yeah, uh, in uh, in our family, we we recently started a, a business, which is why the the side hustle thing pops up. Yeah, and. Uh, one of the things that was interesting is when we were starting out, my wife and I were having a conversation and I said, look, we won't even start to see anything come out of this mm-hmm. for at least six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. And that means there's time investment on the front end. That means there's money investment on the front end. There's all of that mm-hmm. with no guarantee mm-hmm. that anything will pay off. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that happens for a lot of us in a lot of different areas. You know, a kid that's struggling their junior year of high school, you know, are, are they going to put in the effort to, to buckle down and mm-hmm. graduate and do those things? Not, not knowing how that's going to pay off for their life. Yeah. You know, the kid that is really having a hard time getting up to go to class in college, mm-hmm. you know, well, is it really gonna make a difference if I have a degree or not? Mm-hmm. Is it really gonna, you know, um, the, the person that's going to the nine to five every day and going, well, everybody else around me shows up 10 minutes late. Is mm-hmm. it really going to matter if I show up 10 minutes late today? Yeah. You know, again, not because it, it's not the fast food world you're talking about. We're mm-hmm. just, we see it instantly, Yeah. you know, but sometimes it's that, it's that perseverance of character over time. And I don't care if you are the boss at your work or if you are the lowest person on the organizational chart, mm-hmm. character screams louder than anything else. Yep. But character can only be displayed over time. Mm-hmm. Because anybody can show good character for a moment. Mm-hmm. You can make, an, you can make a, a choice in a moment that displays good character. But true character lives out over time. Yeah. Is that person making that kind of choice 
every time mm-hmm. that shows up. Yeah. Every time that possibility hits. And you know, when when we look at people who have stepped away from officiating, rarely do you hear them say, "Oh man, I'm I'm so glad I made it to Division 1." Rarely yeah. do you hear them say, "Man, I'm so glad I was finally an 80 game a year." Mhm official Mm -hmm. and I'm so glad I finally worked the big 10 baseball tournament Mm -hmm. you know rarely does that happen what what do we hear them say man I'm I'm so glad I got to be around these people well this is so many people are posting pictures right now of their super sectionals or IHSA state finals or you know all this championship games right all this stuff and guess what they're doing? They're showing pictures of with their with their partners. Yep. And saying, you know, thankful I got an opportunity to la la la. They're not posting their pitch track score. Yeah. Going, I scored a ninety five, or mm-hmm. I got a score to ninety. They're not doing that. Yep. It's more important for the people that are around you, and we have an opportunity to affect those people around us by being present with those people around us. And if I go into a game, a baseball game. And all I'm worried about is scoring above a 90 on pitch tracks. Those other two partners don't want to be around me. Mm-hmm. They do not. And they definitely don't want to be around me if I do score above a 90. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, great. Now I got to beat that. That You know, whether they're friends or not. When I say this, I want to be loud and clear when I say this. Whether we have close friends or not, there's very few people that are hoping that you will do better than them. Mm-hmm. So if we talk about that three-plate series or three-game series and all three have got a plate, you can guarantee the two that are not the top are not going to be happy with you. They're not. They may say, oh, yeah, good job, way to go. But they're going to go, oh, well, yeah, of course Chad scored a 95. That's all he does is see pitches in the fall and, you know, la, la, la. Mm-hmm. Of course Jeff, you know, can bench press 200 pounds. That's all he does is lift weights and, you know, all this stuff. Because they, they don't want to go through that work. Mm-hmm. And um, as much as I would like to say everyone wants the best for me, it's a, I, unfortunately, it's just a lie. They say they want the best for you, but really what they want is you to be no better than them. So when you surround yourself with people that want you no better than them, I think you know, you got to rethink that. Yeah, you have to rethink it and you have to understand that if you're truly trying to elevate where you're going and truly trying to be better than as with it, be better than you were yesterday, you gotta get rid of those people that are trying to drag you down. Try I just want I just need to keep you average. Can you be about forty pounds overweight? And can you eat that be that person who eats pizza with me all the time? Those are the kind of people I need in my life. Well, yeah, because that way you look better. You look better. Well, It'd be like, you know, I, the reason I have friends is because all my friends have more hair than I do. So they're happy that I'm bald, <laughs> you know, but that's okay. I'm good with who I am. So, um, well, you know, and I, I think this really does come full circle for us. You know, if, if we're somebody that we, we want to see elevation in different areas of our life. Okay. We, we want to be the kind of person at work that they they want us so bad at work that mm-hmm. they're willing to work with our schedule mm-hmm. so we can do this avocation mm-hmm. that we love, mm-hmm. right? Well, guess what? Being a character person is what allows you to do that. Yeah. You know, if you're the person that they're always worried about you trying to cut a corner, 
well, then they're probably not going to give you the freedom to do that. Yeah. But if you're the kind of person that shows exemplary character all the time, mm-hmm. then guess what? It's going to happen. And if you're that kind of person that shows that kind of character, then whether or not your pitch track score was 95 or 85 or 75 because you had a bad day mm-hmm. or whatever it is, my guess is you're still going to come back for the next series because they need character people mm-hmm. working that next series. Yeah. And the other thing that it does, and, and a, a friend of ours uh, who uh, who works college baseball, Matt Richardson, uh, he recently posted this, and I thought it was very interesting because I, I think it ties into what you said there at the end. He said, be very aware of the people that don't clap when you win. Oh, he did. Yes, I saw that. You yeah, know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't look down on people that don't clap when you win. Mm-hmm. It wasn't be mad at people that yep. don't clap when you win. Right. But be aware mm-hmm. because character people will clap when you win. That's now, right. even... If that person wanted to win, mm-hmm. you know yep. what I mean. Yep. Um, I had I had a buddy of mine um, who got to work the Big Ten tournament this year. Mm-hmm. Man, I was so excited for him. I mean, he has worked his tail off. He's done all sorts of stuff. Came out of pro ball in the past and worked his way up and through. And man, it was so awesome watching him work mm-hmm. the Big Ten tournament. I was absolutely clapping for him. I know other people that weren't sure because they wanted that spot Mm -hmm. well guess what you didn't get spot so be happy for the person that did and i i really believe that if we surround ourselves with people that will celebrate our victories whether they were victorious or not Mm -hmm. it doesn't diminish the fact that they want it them wanting that spot doesn't mean that they're not truly happy for us Mm -hmm. but it means that they are happy that we got the opportunity And when we surround ourselves with character people like that, it is going to elevate our character. You know, like you said, if if you if you want to hang around average people all the time, guess what? It's going to become homogenous and everybody's going to end up being average. Yep. You know, but if you are the stupidest person in the room, guess what? You're going to get smarter. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. Yeah. My my son is on a kick right now of watching The Big Bang Theory. Oh, okay. the movie? Or the show? The, the show, yeah, okay. Big Bang Theory. And uh, he hadn't watched it before, so he's been watching it. And at the same time, he and my wife and I were watching Young Sheldon, okay. you know, which is like the, the prequel to yeah. it, right? Yeah. It's kind of funny because now like some of these things that he's seen in Young Sheldon are making sense in The Big Bang Theory and vice versa. Sure. It's really kind of neat. And what's interesting is at the beginning of the show – they make Penny, the blonde character, mm-hmm. they make her out to be just the dumbest thing on two legs. Mm-hmm. Like, you're wondering how that poor girl can walk across the hall and remember to breathe, right. you know, mm-hmm. as, as dumb as they have her. And by the time you get about two-thirds away through that series, she's pretty stinking intelligent. Yep. And one of the one of the guys will bring up something, and all of a sudden, she'll answer the question. Mm-hmm. And they get shocked, <laughs> right? You know, right. right? Well, the reason that she knows it is because she's been hanging out with people that know it, yeah. and she's been listening, mm-hmm. and she's been absorbing. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not even intentionally or consciously, but she's been getting it. So, if if you are content always hanging out with the group of officials that haven't quite gotten as far as you have, 
and then you you don't understand why you're not elevating and getting better. Mm-hmm. Well, it's maybe because you've been content to be a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. Yeah. What if you chose to be the little fish in a big pond? Mm-hmm. And you were willing to say, okay, well, I want to learn from these other people and I'm going to shut up and listen mm-hmm. and soak it all up. Mm-hmm. And maybe two, three years, yeah. I'm going to be better than I am today because I'm learning. And that's a mindset thing that happens at work. If you're, if you're at the bottom of the, the stack uh, of salespeople, mm-hmm. then man, start hanging around the people that are selling better than you and figuring out what they're doing. And if you're the best salesperson at your job, maybe you need to go to a different company where you're not. Yeah, I agree. You know, mm-hmm. and learn from those that are even better than you mm-hmm. and and begin to continue to get better. Yeah, it's it's so important to put yourself in, you know, I, I want to say this word, in a dangerous position. Okay. Where... Man, it's just dangerous for me to be. I, I hadn't made it that last company. I hadn't made. I ruled the roost. So now I'm putting myself in not not, not physical danger, but, but at least uncomfortable. Yeah, right. Some very uncomfortable situations to where I either need to grow or I'm going to be in big trouble because yeah. I'm not that good here. And I think that is it's uber important to be able to do that. But I think us just talking about it is easy. Sure. It's easy. What's hard is going into this company. Hey, listen, I know you've never hired someone that doesn't have a college degree, but here I am. Mm-hmm. And I know that you probably can't, you're not going to pay me what I'm worth, but here I am. And, and I know that I'm not going to be able to do half the things that you want me to do, but here I am. And then you show up to work every day and you show up early and you stay a little late and you you work a weekend and you have lunch with people that are way smarter than you. And then next thing you know, you're a penny and you're starting to answer questions and you're like, Oh, I guess, guess this, this person isn't that bad. As long as you're willing to work and you're willing to put yourself outside that comfort zone. And listen, I love my wife. I love her to death, but she is very much, you know, she's, she's got this job at the courthouse. Now, some of it is my fault. Matter of fact, a lot of it is my fault because she carries the, the health insurance. Sure. But she's got, oh, speaking of that, she's calling me right now. I'll ignore that. <laughs> that six cents she's got. He's talking about me. <laughs> yeah, what is he doing? <laughs> but, you know, she said, I can't go start a new job because I've got six weeks vacation. Mm-hmm. Right? And I get it. And and I don't know that she even thinks that she can't start a new job. She's just wondering, is that something I really want to do? Do I want to give up my six weeks paid time off mm-hmm. to go and expand myself for the next 10 years when I'm going to be retiring. Yeah. So I get it, but those young people that are out there listening and you go, well, I, I, I went to college and I have a business degree, so I got to be in business. No, you don't. Yeah. You, you don't. My, my daughter's living proof of that. She has a degree in marketing and she's a teacher, you know, in a special needs school. So uh, my, my, uh, my son-in-law is a, I forget what his degree is, but he's not working in his degree. My son is working in his degree, but he's working in his degree in hopes to uh, leapfrog into being an operator, running, you know, forklifts, or not forklifts, but big backhoes and things mm-hmm. like that. So he works on them so he could be around the people that drive them all the time. So one day they're going to say, Rayleigh, we don't need you in the shop anymore. We need you to go uh, level off this ground. And that's what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. But it, it so he, none of them are afraid to do something 
that maybe they've been told for the past four years, this is what you're supposed to do. And I think we, we make that mistake. Well, and here's the last thing that I'll say as we're wrapping up, because we've we kind of been all over the place today, but hopefully as you've ping-ponged along with us through our conversation today, you know, so much of this has to do with our thought process. So much of this has to do with what are we content with? And the truth is, if we're content to be 40 pounds overweight, eat mm-hmm. pizza every night, and, and that's where you're content and that's where you want, then then fine. Yeah. But then don't complain when you, you know, you don't want to take your shirt off when you go to the the river. Yeah, you know what cool, I mean? Right. <laughs> right? You yeah. know, because the, the two things don't match up. Mm-hmm. And I think we see this in the sports world so much. I think we see people complaining because of where they're not at. But yet we don't always see the effort required to put us someplace else. You know, I, I think many of us fall into that that potential danger. And so I would say, okay, maybe it's not that you need to, to start a new job. You know, maybe it's not that kind of uncomfortability. Maybe it's just learn a new skill. Mm-hmm. You know, go to a go to a Saturday workshop where they teach you how to, you know, build a raised flower bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've never built anything in your life. Right. You know what? Yeah. Go go learn something new. Go yeah. learn a new skill. Go volunteer with an organization. Mm-hmm. You know, go do something that takes you outside your comfort zone because every time you do that, you learn not only new things about whatever that area is, but you also learn new things about yourself. Mm-hmm. Jeff made a comment to me when he walked in today. And so I'll share his story for him. He walked in and he said, "Well, you know what? Before this weekend, I didn't know how to build a deck, mm-hmm. but now I do. I do. That's exactly right. He said, I don't know that I'd want to build one for somebody for money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but I know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a, there's a sense of satisfaction that comes mm-hmm. from learning something new. Yep. And now who knows what doors that open up? Maybe it's just your neighbor, you know, y- your neighbor needs to fix their deck. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're able to be a better neighbor. Right. You know, your your mother-in-law eventually needs to have a, a wheelchair ramp mm-hmm. put on her house. Mm-hmm. Well, now, instead of, you know, fretting and worried, how are we going to get this done? Well, well, I can do that. It's not much different than building a deck. I think I can do it, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and we have a new set of skills. Well, and the interesting thing about that is, so obviously the neighborhood, you know, the joke was, so when I redid my deck, mm-hmm. so just for a little backstory here, I know we're going long. No, you're good. Backstory was, uh, I started off building a deck for our new house down at the Christmas tree farm. I helped my son. My son was there. I was there. Um, My daughter's son-in-law was there. And then a a family friend. So the four of us. One person knew how to build a deck. And that was the family friend that lived down there. And we were all out there. And we were kind of waiting for him to get there. And, you know, the joke was when he pulled up, said, all right, the foreman's here. Now we can figure out what we're supposed to do, right? (laughs) But... You know, I, I just listened. I paid attention. I worked and I, and I, you know, discussed things and did all that stuff. And I remember speaking to uh, his wife because we, we met maybe a few days later. You know, like, they're, oh, I mean, the deck really looks good. And, and I said, well, I have to give the credit to your husband. Your husband, I was just able to watch him and see because he learned it from someone. Then I mm-hmm. learned it from him. So fast forward, then I decided I'm going to redo my deck, and I redo my deck. And, you know, the joke in the neighborhood was, took me three days to do a four-hour job. 
Okay. <laughs> but I got it done, right? Because yeah. I started on a Friday. I'm like, I'll just have this done before I get off work, honey. It'd be no big deal. And here I am, I mean, 5 o'clock on a Sunday, <laughs> trying to finish her up. But we got her done. But the, but everyone in the neighborhood was coming by. Hey, it looks really good, Jeff. looks really good, Jeff. So much I even got a picture sent to me, actually sent it to my wife. Say, hey, I slowed down to get a picture. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. So all it was just it needed to be redone. Okay. And I did it, did that one by myself. And people took notice of my hard work and they complimented me on it. What a concept. What a concept. You're not doing it so people, you know, send you pictures to tell you how great you are. You're doing it to give yourself some self-worth and then other people compliment you on it. I When I went to the gas station this morning to, before I come over here, I went to the gas station to get my Polar Pop. And there's an older gentleman, I don't know if you've ever seen him, but he's an older African-American gentleman who scoots around town. He mm-hmm. walks every day. Yep. You know, it's 90 degrees. He's got his cardigan sweater on and he's going for a walk. And I saw him today going to the gas station. It's the first time I've actually been that close to him. I said, I said, how are you doing this morning? He said, I'm good. Going for my walk. I said, I see you. I see you going for a walk every day. He goes, yep, I walk every day. I'm 70-some years old or whatever it is. And I just congratulated him on his hard work. Yeah. Good job. Keep up the good work. I see you doing it. I see you working hard. And that's all we have to do. And now I, I get a little bit of boost of adrenaline going, okay, I feel like I can help my neighbor build their deck or help, you know, whatever, do something with that involves nails and screws and, and saws. All because I just said I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. And it's not perfect. It is not perfect. But you know what it is? It's mine. Yeah. And it's my hard work and it's my craftsmanship that I have. So I, I posted it. I actually posted a little video on the railings that I made it yeah. on, on Instagram Reels. And it got about, I don't know, 5,000 views. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that like it, you know, whatever. But everyone, the majority of the people are, are telling me that's no good. Junk mm-hmm. work. Junk work. It may be, but it's my junk work. Yeah. It's mine. Don't tell me how good or bad it is. I'm not a professional carpenter like you are. Mm-hmm. So do it. Just do it, as Nike says. There you go. And, you know, and I think that's a, a great reminder to a lot of us there as we close out today is that what you do doesn't have to be perfect. Nope, it does not. If you are waiting to do something until you can figure out how to do it perfectly, it, it won't get done. What do they call that? Para, uh, Paralysis para- by analysis? That's the one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, with the, the business that uh, that our family started, I have some stuff that I have to, to build. And I am not a builder. I'm less of a builder than Jeff is a builder. Like by less, I mean like 1%, okay, of what I'm just not a builder. Like to the point that I had to go buy the tools to then do the job, you know. And I didn't want to buy all of the tools because I'm also incredibly cheap. Yeah, right. And so uh, my dad has a Black & Decker. My dad has. My dad passed away several years ago. But my dad had a Black & Decker corded drill all right this thing has to be from the late 60s if not early 70s american pickers called they're looking for one <laughs> and i uh so i had i had a a, a wireless um 
cordless. you know, cord, sorry, cordless, cordless screwdriver drill, right? Sure. Uh-huh. And so what I was doing to, to build this thing, I had to, to drill all these holes and then come back in and, and put screws in, right? Yeah, right? And I was getting super tired of having to switch between uh-huh. the drill bit back to the screwdriver. All uh-huh. these drive me nuts, right? And I didn't want to go buy another cordless drill. Yeah. Didn't want to do that. So I found my dad's old one. And yeah. this thing's 50 some odd years old. Right, like I, I maybe fifty pounds too. <laughs> it's heavy duty, man. Yeah, right. It's heavy duty, and most people, if they looked at that drill, they go, "What in the world are you using that for?" Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I'm thinking, like, first of all, what I'm building is not real pretty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Secondly, if it could do the job back then, yeah, why couldn't it do the job now? Sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there drilling the holes. Yeah. And and the cool thing was the whole time I'm doing it, I'm like, you know, I'm. I'm holding the same tool that my dad held. Yeah, right. You know, it was like this connection. It mm-hmm. was this. It was this neat thing, and I built it. And it's ugly as can be. Mm-hmm. It is so ugly. And I had the lumber, and I had more that I had to build, but I didn't have the space cleared in the the shop that we're using to mm-hmm. be able to move it in yet. And, but I had a beautiful day to build. I'm like, well, I could wait mm-hmm. until all the circumstances are perfect. Yeah. Or I could just go ahead and build it. That's right. And so I built this ugly thing. The second ugly thing was slightly less ugly than the first one mm-hmm. because I'd already done it once. Okay. Right? And it has to sit in front of my garage because <laughs> I don't have room to so, move it in where it needs to go yet. Right, and my right. dear wife is right. now stuck with pulling into the driveway every single evening looking at this ugly right. thing That's sitting there. Right. And do you know what? She's not complained a single time. Yeah. She's not said a single word about it. In mm-hmm. fact, she said she was proud of me for getting it done. Yeah. That blessed saint of a woman mm-hmm. did that okay right. but if i had said well i can't do this till it's perfect mm-hmm. get done. guess what if you can't if you can't go to a college camp until you can perfectly work a high school camp yeah. you're never gonna go to a college camp never gonna go right if you can't go try to to grab the the bigger sales account mm-hmm. until you've got all the small sales accounts you never get the bigger sales account that's right you know if if you're waiting to ask for the promotion until the person that's, you know, in another position moves, then <laughs> right. you're not going to get the promotion. Wait for somebody to retire before I get yeah, my promotion. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you have you have to take these risks, mm-hmm. and that that risk is a way of thinking. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just about action. It's about the way you think. And if you look at it as an opportunity, an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to develop, even an opportunity to fail. Mm-hmm. Because when you fail in those opportunities, you lose, you learn so much yeah. that helps you for the next one. You know, uh, back on my deck, you know, my, my wife's not a builder, right? Mm-hmm. But she, I mean, she got up and helped me. She saw the work I did on Friday. She got up and helped me Saturday, helped me Sunday. We went and fetched, you know, more wood and... And, you know, what turned into a job that I thought I was going to do turned into a, a family job. Mm-hmm. And we, we made decisions together. I'm like, what do you think about this? And how about this to fasten it? And how are we going to do this? And, you know, all those things. And, you know, my wife's a very much a, a, you know, she has a, a, how do I want to explain it? So if we make a calendar, right? So red would be like an appointment. Green would be something I'm going to make money at. And blue is going to be Very something. organized yeah, and meticulous. Very organized. Absolutely. So when I pulled out the square, she's like, oh, baby. So <laughs> 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 I know. I get you, right? I get you. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And then when we got done, we sat on the deck, you know, and we looked at each other like, we just built this. Yeah. We did it. 
And um, we, we never thought we could, but we did. And I think that's important. I think, you know, we have an opportunity to even involve our spouses in those things. If we think about that, we have an opportunity in officiating. And I've done that with my wife before. I'll do my NCAA test. Then I'll involve my wife and say, okay, before I submit this, can you just, I'm going to read off the answers I'm about to put. Can you see that those, that's exactly what I filled in the paper? And I involved her. And then we passed the test together. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. And then she finds herself watching my games going, wait a second. We just talked about this rule. Did you do that, Jeff? Did you do that right? You know, so it's everyone wants to see uh, their partners happy and the people around them happy. Sometimes we just need to involve them. We yeah. just to ask them, hey, you want to help? Well, and while the two of you were sitting on the deck that mm-hmm. wasn't perfect mm-hmm. and other people were telling you the deck wasn't perfect. Yeah. The other people didn't get to enjoy the deck. Nope. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there, I, I don't care how far you get in officiating. I don't care if you work the championship game, Division One. I. I don't mm-hmm. care if you work Game 7 of the World Series. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Somebody will sit there and tell you what you've done wrong. Sure. But guess what? Those people aren't doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. The, the person that says that, that you could have gotten a, a bigger contract with that new account. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not the one that got the contract we got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and people will always love, always love to try to tear you down mm-hmm. because then it makes them feel better about themselves. Yep. You know, and so if it's not a situation of somebody being, you know, in peril, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if they called you up and said, well, hey, you put no bracings in the middle of that deck. And so I'm really afraid you're going to fall through and hurt yourself. Right, right. You know, well, that's one thing. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, but they're saying, well, that's shoddy or mm-hmm. you shouldn't have done it this way. Yeah, or, you right. should have used this kind of what. Who cares? Yeah, some kid's going to do this. Well, listen, I'm home alone. Mm-hmm. There is no kids. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's no swimming pool in here mm-hmm. that I got to protect kids from, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they like to come up with all those excuses. And like you said, who cares? Yeah. I've done it. And until I make another one, I bet the another one, I bet the next one I make, whenever that might be, it's going to be even better. Yeah. And I'm going to be a little bit better every time I do it. And the only way for that to happen is to, to we have to get out there and we have to do it. We have to experience that opportunity to fail. And I wanted to tell you, so, you know, I'm a, you know, everyone, I feel like if they've listened they know that I spend time reading books or listening to books. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the biggest things for me that is uh, like scary, a scary moment for me is to hit the buy button for a book. Because mm. you look at audiobook can be anywhere from mm-hmm. 10 to 14 or $15, right? Sure. And you can, a little sample of it, right? Sure. And this, the same applies to a book that you're reading. Yeah. That you have to buy. You think to yourself, boy, is this twelve ninety nine going to be worth it? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you, you, you have to, and, I, and I, to me, at least, I don't know how it is for anyone else, but like, okay, I'm about to hit $13. What if I don't like this book? Mm-hmm. You know, the first I heard the first three minutes and it was just about the author or whatever, you know? So that's, that's an, I don't want to say anxiety driven time, but it's, it makes me think. Mm-hmm. So sometimes what I find myself doing is, okay, I think I might want to read that. And I hit it in the want to read. Think about it. Go back and research, you know, more about the book. Okay, buy it. You know, but I can do some research. And sometimes I just go, I'm buying it. 
because Chad told me it was a good book. I'm buying it. I'm, I'm going to roll the dice there. But it's still a very an anxious time for me. Like, mm-hmm. do I really need to spend this $13? But in, you know how many books I got in my thing that I haven't read, that I've spent $13 on and haven't even listened to one word, thinking mm-hmm. I got to listen to that book, but I don't get a chance to because maybe it just doesn't draw to me. I, I listened to the first chapter. It's not that great. But here, I'm out the 13 bucks. If I buy a regular book from the bookstore... Mm-hmm. And I buy it for twenty bucks, and I don't like it. I can probably sell it for somewhere, but I buy an audio book. Sure, there's it's no yours. returning. There's yep. no, there's no sell. Hey, Chad, I read this book. You know, so that, that's a pretty anxious time for me. Yeah. So I really hope uh, this conversation, as varied and all over the place and uncommon <laughs> as it's been, uh, hopefully has been beneficial to you. We'd love to hear from you. You know, what are ways that you are reaching outside your comfort zone? What are ways that you're challenging yourself? What are new things you're learning this off season? Um, and, uh, and and we'd love to hear that so we can share it with others. You can send it to Uncommon Drive Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you there. While you're doing that, you might as well go on and give us a five-star rating. Leave That's us well. a review. That helps us so much as we reach out to others. We hope you have a phenomenal week and uh, are uncommon in the way you approach life. See you guys. See y'all. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating.